Good morning, Game Alone's fans. Welcome back to another episode. Um, on today's episode, um, I sat down with one of our brokers here at Grand Union Finance, uh, Chanel Edwards, during the week to discuss a property strategy that we both really, really still enjoy. Even though it's getting a bit of a hammering, um, it's still, for me, one of the best ways you can invest in property in terms of cash flow, and that is, of course, HMO. So, yeah, Chanel came into our Solihull office. We went and sat in the studio, and we just had a bit of a natter about what we like about it, um, how it works, and, you know, what we see happening this year. So sit back and enjoy my little chat about HMOs with Chanel. So I'm here with Chanel um, today, and Chanel and I have been talking quite a lot recently at Grand Union Finance HQ, all about um, different strategies where you can earn a little bit more money, because buy-to-lets are suffering a lot at the moment. Um, lots of issues that we're having with down valuations on rentals, um, you know, rental calculators being particularly difficult. I know yeah. we've both got cases with that at the moment. So <laughs> yeah. we thought we would get in front of the camera and talk a little bit about HMOs. Yes. Because they're, t- they're taking a bit of a battering in other ways, but yeah, we both agree that they're still good strategies for this year. I right? love them. I think they're the way forward. I love talking about them. I think they're, the, yeah, they're the future, to be honest, in, in property investing. They are the future. They are. A lot of people, they, <laughs> people love the, the multi-unit freehold blocks, which I get. They're safer. There's less turnover in, in sort of the tenancies and stuff. Um, but I love HMOs. I think... People my age or younger, they're going to struggle to get on the property market, on the property ladder, sorry. And even they're going to struggle to rent because rental, the rents are being pushed up from everything else that's going on in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and why wouldn't you? It's a bit more social to be sharing a house and it cuts your costs. Um, you know, what, 600 quid all in maybe in some areas. I think that's a decent amount. You've got enough then disposable income to go and live your life and do whatever. I think it's it's the worst, isn't it? When all your money gets sink, sunk out by all your bills and all that, you're left with no money at the end of the month. So why would you not just do lower your outgoings? Exactly. And I think a lot of this conversation that you and I have stems from the fact that, A, we do think there's going to be a much higher demand for HMO this year than there has been in recent years yeah. because less disposable income, as you say. Um, another thing I actually read recently, completely sort of random little tangent, yeah. but they're saying as well that um, they think lots of couples are going to split up this year because <laughs> yeah. of financial problems. Yeah. So then they're not going to necessarily be able to go and afford a one-bedroom flat. They might have yeah. to go into HMOs and stuff. So there's going to be a high, a higher demand for HMO, I think, in 2023 and probably even going forward as well. Yeah. So um, there's less availability of them as well because of mm. Article 4 and stuff like that coming in. So yeah. if you can get hold of one, you can do a conversion, et cetera, et cetera, it's going to be good. Mm. But the difference I'm finding as well between the cost of the mortgages for HMO, yeah. they're not massively different from limited company yeah. standard buy-to-let mortgage rates as well. Mm. So given the increased you know, gross rent you're going to get, yeah, okay, we know yeah. that there's additional bills. You know, A lot of the time you're paying for your... <laughs> Um, your utilities um, some councils are making you pay individual council tax per room yeah but even taking some of that stuff into account there's still there's still a great opportunity I think 100% no I agree and and I had a client actually was quite surprised by uh, the rates I was quoting because yeah it's not too dissimilar to the the single let um, property um, products and um, yeah it's it's a way of of increasing your, your cash flow 
um, and getting that super rent in, charging yeah. uh, charging individual rent per room. And you know what? This this actually goes back a little bit to I talk to a lot of my clients about strategy, and yeah. a lot of the time you'll be on, um, you know, going on a course getting your mentorship, doing all this stuff, watching a lot of videos online as well. Yeah. And a lot of people talk, a lot of these mentors, a lot of these uh, these courses teach you to start slow <laughs> and build your portfolio. Yeah. That all sounds absolutely perfectly normal. And then suddenly you go, but hang on a second. <laughs> At the beginning of the process, when you're trying to build a portfolio and mm-hmm. cash flow is so important to allowing you to do that, yeah. imagine you've got 30, 40 grand yeah. and you put it into a BRR deal and you get... 10 or 15 of that back yeah so you're literally then just left with one buy to let property that you've refinanced you've got 15 grand of of your money back you've then got to try and save up another 25 grand or whatever it is to get back to a deposit level to do another one yeah and in in, while you're doing that you're getting 200 pound a month 200 quid a month yeah literally it's not life-changing it's not (laughs) life-changing and and, you know to that extent you know brr is not really working in the traditional sense at the moment Mm. so as an alternative to that if you are trying to build a portfolio, get into the higher cash flowing um, strategies early. HMO being a, a perfect one. SA is obviously, you know, we're not necessarily going to go into a lot of detail on that right now, but no, yeah. SA is another one. Or, you know, just actually just starting starting some kind of business. Even if mm. even if you don't have the money to, 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 to start um, buying properties that you're going to convert to HMO, yeah. rent to rent is still is still a really really good strategy or property management as I call it. Yeah, that's um, it. So well, that's the thing when you're investing in property and you, you're still just starting out, you're being taught that you need to get your cash flow because most of these people want to leave their jobs quite quickly. And so if you're able to get these types of HMOs and yeah, we always we always say try and walk before you run and all that. But yeah, why why wouldn't you when the the HMO lending criteria there are there is scope there for you to get straight into it if you if you're in a position and you fit yeah. the criteria. So yeah, it allows you then to leave your job um, quicker than you than you would if you were doing it the traditional slower mm-hmm. rates. Um, and you can then go on to doing the more deals, even more deals, because you've got the time then. Exactly. It's all about the freedom. I always talk to my clients about at the start of the process, when um, it is slower, no matter what, what type of strategy you're going for, it's always slower to start with than it will be two, three, four, five years down the line. Yeah. Because what will happen is, especially if you, and I believe every investor should be thinking this way, mm. especially if you're not taking money out of your property business to start with and you're letting the money grow so that you're keeping it in there so you're finding your next deposit yeah the property investing is actually quite simple yeah, yeah. all you need is your next deposit and your next deal and if, mm. you can, and if you've got if you've got those, those just coming in yeah then you can just keep growing and growing and growing exactly. obviously that's harder to start with but mm. if you're not taking money out of your portfolio with every property you add you're reducing the time that yeah. you need to get your next deposit. Yeah. So you you get your next deposit, and that's going to be quicker anyway. So if you've got your HMO, and instead of making two hundred pound net a month, you're making nine hundred pound net a month. Yeah. Well, it's it doesn't take a you know a, <laughs> a, genius. A, a genius to work out that you're going to get to the point where you've got yeah. 20, 30, 40 grand for your next deposit pretty quickly. Yeah. And the thing is, as well, um, you know, there there are as you say to to start with, it's going to be a little bit harder. Mm. You. The lending options for your first one are not going to be as good as your lending options for your third or your fourth or your fifth one. Yeah. And um, I mean, if you are a first time buyer, first time landlord, and you want to do it as an HMO, your lending options are going to be very, very small. But Excellent, yeah. 
if you think about it, if you're buying a C3 classified property, which obviously is residential, yeah. and you're converting it into a C4 classified small HMO, then actually you're using a bridging loan to get it anyway. And yeah, yeah again, you're not going to be getting the best bridging in the world. No, yeah. But you still can get a bridge much easier than you're going to get a mortgage. And as long as you as long as we know that, you know, six months down the line, you've got three, four, five lenders that could potentially look at you because they see you then as not a first time buyer anymore. There are some yeah. that will. Yeah. And if we can line that up, that alleviates that issue anyway. And to, for me, that's the best way of doing it anyway. Buying a ready-made HMO is you know, great if you've got a big source of income coming in from, from elsewhere. Yeah. Um, but if not, realistically, converting it is mm. the way forward. And actually, you know, the the the, the bigger you make these HMOs as, as you start doing it, the the more the the income grows. And I think the income grows more really in as a comparison in terms of a yield. Mm. Not it's, it's not it's not a, an exact science, but certainly from looking at deals that I am with my clients, if you look at the yield based on a an eight bedroom HMO versus mm. a six bedroom HMO, yeah. the the difference percentage wise in the value of the property versus the yield it yes. does it does go up higher. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Okay, you might there might be a ceiling on that in different areas will be different. But yeah. Once you've got your feet under the under the table and you understand the the process, you understand mm. the concept and potentially you've built a company that means that, you know, you've you're the 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 aftercare, the looking after the tenants, yeah. looking after the, you know, letting letting those rooms out and stuff is being taken care of by either a company you've built or a company that you're employing to do that. Um, you know, once you get used to it. Looking at converting, you know, C four classified mm. HMOs into sui generis larger HMOs where you can rent out to seven, eight, nine, ten people. Yeah, you know, the extra work that goes into into that is again, it is extra work. Yeah, but I think it's worth it in terms of the returns mm. that you're going to get. Hundred percent, and I think then it comes down to how you're making that experience for your tenants as well, because it's not just about getting this deal converting it into as many rooms as you can and making as much money as you can you you really want to make that experience for your tenants worth staying because you want your attention you don't want your void periods especially when you've got seven beds to fill eight mm-hmm. beds to fill um it's about creating a community type of thing um and making sure that everyone gets on together um, and you've really got to pick your, your tenants right there <laughs> if, yeah. you, if you've got so many people living there but yeah it's all about standards and, and making sure that it's a nice place to live and i think if you get it right and, and you've got that sort of um, about you as a property investor that you want to create nice homes for these people, then you can't go far wrong in just making sure that, yeah, they stay as long as, as, long exactly. as you can. And don't forget as well, um, again, this is what I talk to my clients about really frequently is this isn't forever. Mm. You know, nobody wants to be running. Mo- most people I speak to, mm. and I'm sure it's the same for you, the, the long-term objective is passive income yeah it's you know let less putting working earning more for less time that mm-hmm. hmos all these high cash flowing strategies they are not going to give you that but yes. <clears throat> it's all about thinking strategically yeah and thinking more long term where do i want to be right i want to get to a point where i've got a portfolio that's really passive mm-hmm. don't have i don't have to think about it very much i don't have to um you know put much time and effort into it okay great that doesn't mean you need to start building that portfolio now. Mm. You start building a portfolio that cash cash flows, 
do the do the HMOs with a plan that when once you reach a certain income, yeah, you can start either using that income just to buy buy to let properties instead, yeah. which are much more passive. Okay, nothing's ever hundred percent passive, mm. but much much more passive, much much less turnover of you know of, of tenants etc. Yeah, um, maybe you even use that money like you say to buy multi-unit freehold blocks that mm. that you then rent out to a social housing provider or a housing association or something like that yeah. really passive type um yeah. uh, type strategies but you have to start with the higher cash flowing strategy to start with yeah and it's about it's like i said it's 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 a it's a very design sort of led strategy you are mm. you're not having you're not necessarily doing now what it will look like and, and you can always convert those hmos back into family homes at some point in the future as well yeah. it's not like you need to sell them yeah just just convert back at some point in the future 100%, yeah it's it's uh it's flexible isn't it um and diverse and i guess back to what you were saying there about um how you're strategizing your property journey from start to finish like that's our job isn't it when we get these new investors come to us from the start and they're like oh this these are my hopes and dreams this is what i want to do and it's like okay well how can we get you there and i had a client i'm thinking back now to a client who did have a lot of cash and had a decent income and they wanted to just literally get going hmo straight away and um yeah we were able to put them on a bridge they got their six month experience and, and a property under their belt and we were we put them on the bridge they were then able to exit onto a term lender um that was going to give them a mortgage to be able to carry on with that with that property and it's like if you know the right ways of of dealing with this with the with the different lenders criteria and, and being strategic and creative with the way that you're financing your deals it's so it, it is it, it becomes quite easy actually to get into these more advanced strategies quicker yeah um i love it i love hmo strategy it's just i think a lot of the time it's down to people getting a bit scared by a potentially like getting bridging finance that's obviously yeah. something that everyone's always seems to be scared of yeah then you've got the the um the fact that maybe you're, you're concerned a bit about the exit mm. um, a bit about you know a lot of the regulations and all that kind of stuff yeah um but as you say, if you get it, if you do get it right, then yeah. the you know the what you what, how you can make those figures work, it, they just stack up so much better than yeah. on a on a BRR. If you just think of it in terms of purchase price, cost of conversion works, GDV, gross development value, and then rental income off the back of it, yeah. you know the difference with 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 a with a let's say on a on a standard BRR, you're paying fifteen grand to do a renovation. Mm. Um, and on a on a on a HMO, you're, it's costing you thirty, so it's, mm. you, it's double the cost. Yeah. But you will see much much more than that mm. in the value that you're adding to the property as well. Yeah. There are we 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 know there are a few lenders that potentially, as long as they are very very much, mm. you know, all on suite or very much HMOs, even if they're five or six beds, sometimes we can even get commercial yield based valuations that's it which yeah. again increases that value look it's always a little bit of a concern you don't want to over leverage yourself but when you when you're growing your portfolio you want to be putting out as much as you can and they those are the deals where we're actually seeing the the money in money out deals yeah the, 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 the deals where you know people are able to pull out all the money they've put in mm. in certain instances depends on the type of deal that you're doing as well there are lenders out there that will actually do a a refurbishment bridge as well. Um, we can even look at development finance for for certain HMO conversions, depending on what the cost of the uh, the works is going to be. Anything below fifty grand is probably not worth it. But you know the 
the the definitely the bridging, um, yeah. the refurbishment bridges, eighty five percent loans value instead of seventy five percent. You know, ten percent different in in how much you you need to put in. You know, it makes a big difference as well in terms yeah. of how you can how you can get started. So yeah. there's there's plenty of plenty of things. You know, I was actually at a I was at the Baker Street property meet yeah. uh, last week, and um, one of the winners of one of the property investor awards last year was there doing a presentation about how she um, actually goes about building or has gone about building her HMO portfolio. Yeah. And it was really, really clever. Um, I'm lucky, you know, I've seen seen quite a lot of my clients do a similar thing. Mm. But um, what I was saying earlier on about the sort of the, the sui generis classification yeah. that you want to try and get to, if yeah. you can, to really make your portfolio, you know, really tick over, mm. is that um, she was saying something that a lot of people get stressed out about, which was you going, getting, getting planning permission to go from C3 straight to sui generis it's going to be really really difficult yeah so she knows that she can get permitted development to take it to from you know i don't know a four bedroom house to a six bedroom hmo yeah and so she'll she'll do that but then she will apply for planning she you know she might be you know a lot of the time she's doing extensions and stuff like that so she'll get the planning permission to do that anyway yeah but then she'll then once she's got the bit developed once that property is classed as c4 and it is mm. you know you're allowed to put six people in there allowed to have six six bedrooms um, it's so much easier then to go and get planning permission to get an extra, you know, three, four people yeah. in that property because it's things like, you know, how much rubbish they're going to be using, how many yeah. car parking spaces they're going to be using, and actually, if you're going well, you've six people are allowed to live in this property right now, yeah. so all we're asking for is two extra car parking spaces. Yeah, what's another one? What's it's another not, two? It's not, it's not a huge, huge <laughs> yeah. difference. So yeah, it's a good strategy it. to do that too. I agree. Yeah. And like I said, no, yeah, I mean, I. <sighs> I have, in talks that I've been to, I've seen that it's all about, from, as a property investor, I know we've spoken about how good it is to, to do HMOs, but you have got to consider the risks. There is heightened risks. But as a property investor, one thing I've learned from looking at other property investors is how you mitigate those risks. And I think a really successful property investor, they're not, you know, rocket scientists, but they're the right people that are able to pull the right people, the right professionals together that know what to do. And if you pull all of them together, you're going to get a good project and you've mitigated your risk. You've you've accounted for any down valuations or you know what your GDV is going to be, your end value, um, because you've had those right people advising you on what this project is going to look like when it comes to the end. Exactly. And we know this firsthand in terms of what we do with our clients is, you know, we do, we check a lot of stuff. Yeah. You know, when they give us figures, we don't just accept them. Yeah. We will sort of have a little think about them, you know, say, you know, is this realistic? Yeah. I, I had a client recently that thought his, his HMO in Birmingham was worth like 780 grand. I'm like, it's yeah. just not, it's yeah, not, mate. That's and, it. and it's not going to get valued as that. So what is the point of actually, you know, putting in an application for a remortgage? Mm. Yeah. Because that's not, it's not going to happen. Um, so you're right. Having the right people around, being the conductor of the orchestra is really, really important. Yeah. Um, and you know what was great? This same presentation from, from last week, what, what she did was she kind of finished up with, Something I'm a massive fan of, which was an, a company organizational chart, you know, okay. of, of all the people that worked for her in this property business. Wow. And it is, it's, this is, this always, it always amazes me when I have to kind of explain the concept mm. to in, to potential new clients of you're running a business here. Yeah. So what does businesses need? Systems and processes and people. Yes. And if you, if you think that you can get away with not having those, mm. then 
you, 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 you've lost before you've even started. Yeah, start, so yeah. especially if you are going to be looking at, I mean, HMO almost, you know, SA definitely is is what I would almost call like a hospitality business. Yeah. But HMO almost is as well because mm. you are, you know, it's multiple people in a property. Yeah. There's, there's, it's more than just renting the property out. There's oh, other yeah. things to consider. There's, you know, are you going to stick Netflix in their rooms? You know, as, you know say, you've got yeah. the internet stuff that you need to sort out. You know, you need to create plug in and play yeah. living accommodation yeah. for people just to come in and just be ready straight away. Mm. You, rent, you rent a house out to somebody, a family, they sort the phone line out, they sort you know, the, their council tax out, all that mm. kind of stuff. You do this, you, there's a lot of moving parts and yeah. having and building a team that knows how to do all of that yeah. means that your ability to scale your portfolio suddenly becomes a hell of a lot easier because what you're then not concerned about as well is your own capacity. Yeah. Your own capacity, it should just, your job within the business really should just be to find or, or know where to find or who's going to find you those deals yeah. and figure out how you're going to pay for them. Yeah. Everything else really should be taken care of. You've got I agree. Somebody, yeah. somebody that helps you with the planning in terms of making sure that your PD application mm. get goes through and then you, then your subsequent planning applications potentially. Yeah. You know, you've got your, your your team in place to do any work. Mm. You know, you a lot you see them as well a lot of hmos you've got one one owner and they'll own 20 of them and yeah. they all look the same yeah because yeah. they've just got the same kitchen same <laughs> one feature wall same yeah. color <laughs> and, and 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 why not yeah, you know yeah. and number one it's kind of almost like the brand becomes their brand but yeah. also it's just it's easy to go and rinse repeat, and repeat rinse and repeat and, and yeah. just do it and just do it again yeah. and all that goes all the way through to the aftercare as well yeah you know having having people in place that can deal with you know let, letting the rooms dealing with moans and complaints and whatnot mm. from, from the tenants. Yeah. Um, if there's any damage, you know, making sure that maintenance is done. You know, a lot of this stuff, yeah, okay, you you, you will oversee it, but you can mm. build a company of people that, that can do it. And, and you know, this particular um, investor, she outsourced half of, of, yeah. of her staff to the Philippines. Yeah. That they're not, they're not customer facing. They're not, they're not tenant, tenant facing. Therefore, oh, yeah. <clears throat> It doesn't really matter whether they, you know, whether when you get them on the phone, their English is absolutely perfect. Although probably it probably is. It is yeah, probably it better, is. It's really than, good. Probably better than ours. Yeah. Um, so you know, there's just, there's just so much, and I think this is this is the thing is that people are getting put off by HMO because it's not as good as it used to be because yeah. of a lot of the change in regulation, taxation, yeah. the council tax stuff, all that, all that sort of jazz. But mm then well compare it to the rest of the market still yeah, yeah. so so you're gonna you're, you're gonna shy away from it because there's been changes yeah because it's not because it's it's uh, it's not as good as it used to be but it's still a hell of a lot better from a, than buy to let exactly. some other strategies and i'm finding that with with property investors now it's trying to educate them in living in the now <laughs> i've just had a conversation with a client where they're they're concerned about the rates, what the rates were, and they're sort of clinging on to that, and they're thinking, oh, well, but what if it goes back down to that? And I'm like, well, what if it goes back up to what it was in September? It's like you've got to... You've, people are worried about spending money to make money, um, and as a property investor, sometimes you've got to you've got to grasp that and, and realise you have got to spend money to make money. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, the changes, that, that's part of the deal, and if you want to create safe homes and... Um, and make their money in the right way, um, then that's just something that you've got to sort of. It comes with the it comes with the territory of being a property investor. Absolutely, no, it does. And 
yeah, look, we'll, we'll, we'll do a few more of these, these types of just fireside chats, I think they're called, where yeah. we can just sit fireside. here and just talk about, you know, these different strategies and, and yeah. we're lucky because we get to see these on a daily basis. Yeah. Um, but you know, look, if you do aspire to be an HMO investor or you want to get into HMO and you want to have a chat with either one of us, um, you know, we'll make sure that our uh, our contact details are in all the notes. Uh, whether you're listening to this on the podcast or whether you're watching this on YouTube, um, you'll be able to find both mine and Chanel's contact details to get in touch. And we're happy to help anyone, aren't we? We are indeed. Awesome. Well, thanks, Chanel. Cheers for coming. You go now. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs>